Jesus gives us signs of His second coming in Matthew chapter 24, so people will not miss His return. But there were also signs of His first coming, and the people of that day didn't understand. Today, we'll look at how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies as we approach Resurrection Sunday. Hello and welcome to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell and my co-host and partner in crime, Vince Stegall, is not here today. Uh, Like we've been telling y'all, the Lord is really opening up some doors for the ministry and allowing uh, Vince to be able to come in contact with some influential people in in the political realm and as well as social media realm and so Vince is being able to uh, take advantage of these situations and today is one of those situations where he's able to to go out and meet some very influential people and be able to put that end time name out there and explain the prophecies of the Bible to some of the people that may not understand that but yet they're involved in the political realm and even have a voice on social media that reaches millions of people and so he's able to talk with them and uh, be able to converse with them and show them some of those scriptures and so we're uh, praying that God just continues to open those doors and gives Vince the words to say and uh, the ability to do that clearly to where they understand and we can get some new followers, we can get some new people to help the ministry get the word out and uh, so you guys just be in prayer for Vince. He'll be back uh, with me on Thursday and we'll be back on the program together. Um, also, I just wanted to let you know about the Bible study that I'll be starting this Thursday night here locally in Plano, Texas. I know that I've had a lot of people say, is there any way that you can put this out there on the internet or on uh, Into the Age Plus or anything so other people can also view this with you and go through the study together. I wish I could do that, but it is going to be released on Into the Age Plus, or I'm sorry, In Time Plus. It's still hard to get that down. In Time Plus, uh, a week after I start my Bible study. So the folks that are coming to this live Bible study are going to be able to start that with me. We're going to be able to go through that together, and we'll be a week ahead of the ones that are coming out. But you can still go on there and watch those week after week and study that on your own. Uh, And if you have questions, email us. You can always email us, talk to me or Dave, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have. But my class starts here locally live on Thursday night, this Thursday night, April the 6th, and it will start at 6.30 p.m. We'll go till about 8 o'clock. We're going to meet. If you come up here and you come to the building, we'll be on the east side. You'll come in that entrance. We're going to be in our event center. Uh, I'm expecting about 30 people so far, so we still have plenty of room. If there's anybody that would like to come and be part of that Bible study, we would love to have you there. And you're going to love it because of the fact that this is... um, it's, the prophecies are still the same, but the information that we're giving out is more up to date. We're, um, J- Dave's done a wonderful job of teaching this, and we've incorporated, incorporated Brother Baxter in there as well. And so I think you're really going to enjoy it. And there's nothing better than coming together as a group of people and being able to go through the scriptures and be able to talk about it and have that uh, question and answer time afterwards. So I think you will enjoy it. I tried to get my wife, Tina, to come on. Uh, just for the first uh, break and talk with me and let you all meet her on the air so that the people that are coming would get to know what Tina looks like and who she is. But you'll recognize her. She'll be the pretty one on Thursday 
when you come up here. So, all right, today uh, I know there's a lot going on in the world and there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Um, I know that uh, there's a particular president that's being indicted today and I know people probably want to talk about that today, but I'm going to leave that for, to, for another day and we'll talk about it after we have more information about some of those allegations that are coming up on him and things like that. But today I want to talk about the resurrection and how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of his first coming and the things we need to look for even for the second coming. I feel like this is an important uh, study today because of the fact that we are in that week of the crucifixion and the resurrection. So recent surveys uh, have revealed that there's like 70% of Christians believe uh, that there are other ways to heaven and some don't even believe the writings of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And that's hard for me to believe, but it, it makes me wonder, is this because our churches have stopped speaking the truth or have the people stopped seeking for the truth? So that's what I kind of want to talk about today. There is a lot of truth out there in the disciples that were learning under Jesus for three, around three and a half years. They traveled with Him. They watched Him do miracles and healings. They heard every sermon. They even recorded them in the Gospels. But yet we see as close as they were to Jesus, they still didn't have complete understanding of who He was and what He came to do. Even up until the, men, the moment of His uh, ascension. But Jesus opened their understanding. And so we see this in the book of Luke. And that's where I want to start today. And this is going to kind of set uh, the, the tone of where we're going today in this study. So in Luke 24, starting with verse 44, it's, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then the scripture says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So see, they were with Jesus all that time. They studied with Him, like I said. They saw the miracles. They saw everything. They saw Him fulfill prophecy, but yet they didn't have a full, complete understanding at that point that He was getting ready to leave and go back up into heaven. They didn't even understand what He had come to do and how He had fulfilled the law and, and all these prophecies that were written about Him. So we have to be careful... And we have to look for the signs that we have today. But I want to look, I want to start today's lesson by looking at the way he fulfilled these things. He gave us three different categories, and we're going to look at those today. So the law of Moses is the first one we'll look at. And that's in Deuteronomy 18.15. says, The Lord thy God will rise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. Well, that was fulfilled by Jesus. He was that prophet. And Acts 7.37 says, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. And then John 5.46 says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. 
for he wrote of me. So Jesus tells him right there in John, Moses was writing of me. And then John 6.14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. So did the Jewish believe that Deuteronomy 18.15 was a messianic prophecy? We'll look at that when we come back from that break. understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. Time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Vince Stegall is not here today. He's taking advantage of some opportunities of doors that God is opening up for End Time and for him personally as well. So we are praying for Vince that he has a, a great opportunity there over the next couple of days. Um, I asked a question before we went on break there. I, I said, uh, so did the Jewish believe that Deuteronomy 8.15 was a, a messianic prophecy? Well, to understand that they did know this, we got to look at John uh, chapter 1, verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So people were really looking for the Messiah, and if they really wanted to, they could understand what to look for. 
But remember, I read that scripture from Luke that they, they didn't even understand the disciples that Jesus had called by name and they had been traveling with him all that time. They didn't fully understand until Jesus actually opened that up to him. And the reason why I want to reiterate that and help everybody understand is because not everybody was looking for the Messiah. There were people that were stuck in their traditions. There were people that were looking at the world around them because their world was in chaos. They were being controlled by a world government, Rome at the time. And the Jewish people that were really seeking the Messiah, they were the ones that were the, the ones that were living in poverty, the ones that were uh, in dire need of help, the ones that were uh, hurting and sick. They were the ones looking for the Messiah. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't really looking at all the signs. They thought they knew uh, everything they needed to know, and they weren't leaving any room for anything other than their tradition. And so I think that that correlates a lot where we are today. We're watching the rise of a world government. We're watching the rise of a world economic system that they're trying to throw on us. We're watching a rise of a world government uh, that is going to establish a world religious system on us as well. And so uh, we're kind of facing the same things they were facing, which makes this um, pretty relevant to what they were going through at the time. So I want to go back now and we, we looked at the law of Moses and we looked at how uh, all that was uh, helping them to, to have knowledge and understanding of these prophecies that were coming. So now I want to look at what the prophets said. And there is tons, folks, of prophecies about Jesus. And I'm not going to have time to go through all of them today. And so we're going to look at some of them here. And like I said, there's an abundance. But I want to start in Isaiah 9-6. And it tells us in Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now that's a prophecy about Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled this in Matthew 1.23. It tells us, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So that prophecy fulfilled right there. We can look at these things and we can understand, okay, these are the signs like what we'll need to be looking for in the end time. Prophecy of the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem comes from Micah 5.2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be the ruler of Israel whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This fulfillment came when Jesus was born, where? In Bethlehem. Remember what had happened, that Caesar was doing a census and that they had to go back to their hometown. And this is what happened in Matthew 2.1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came a wise man from the east to Jerusalem. So once again, that prophecy fulfilled, showing that Jesus is the Messiah. So this, the survey that we talked about that said there's other ways into heaven. People need to get back to the roots of the Bible and to the understanding that we can have about who Jesus is. And so when we hear Jesus say things like, I am the truth, the way, and the life, they can understand that He fulfilled these prophecies. He is exactly who He said He was. 
All right, I can go off on tangents today, and I'm hoping I don't. I'm trying to stay on script and keep talking about the things I want to talk about today. Uh, the prophecy that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, that comes from Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Fulfillment that Jesus was born of a virgin, once again, Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. So these things are there in your word, in your Bible. If you're believing what the Bible says, folks, you shouldn't have any kind of problem understanding these things. But yet they say that 70% of Christians are not understanding this today. Once again, prophecy that the Messiah would be rejected. This comes from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53.3 says, He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now think about that for a second because this is talking about Isaiah 53, the same scripture that the eunuch was reading when Philip found him in the desert, in the chariot, and talked to him about Jesus Christ. He spoke Jesus from that scripture and explained exactly who that suffering servant was in that scripture in Isaiah. Well, this fulfillment, we can see it's in John chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And also in Luke 23, 18, And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us, Barabbas. So they turned their backs on Jesus. I know that a lot of people just came from Palm Sunday this past Sunday, uh, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But how much things can change within a week. It's amazing how human we are and how we can change from saying Hosanna in the highest and recognizing Jesus coming in riding on this donkey and then a week later scream out crucify, crucify, crucify. So the prophecy of Jesus riding in upon that donkey that can be found in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 it says rejoice greatly daughter Zion and shout daughter Jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, Jesus fulfilled this triumphal entry uh, on the donkey in John 12, 13 and 14. It's recorded. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. So did Jesus understand that these things had to be fulfilled and he fulfilled them to the letter? Yeah, absolutely. He knew exactly that these things needed to be fulfilled all the way through. It's going to be the same at his second coming. So prophecy said that he would also be beaten with stripes. That's Isaiah 53 again, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That fulfillment comes from Matthew 27, 26. It says, Then they released 
Barabbas unto them. And when he had uh, scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So the prophecy that the Messiah would die with the wicked is found also there in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of those books that we just really need to go and study that because it's pretty amazing. It's amazing that uh, this unit could take that and could read it and Philip could teach Jesus from there. It, it just correlates so well that you could do that even today. If, if people ask, how can I do that? Just go read Isaiah 53 and you can see the, the road to the cross there that led Jesus straight to the cross and the things he went through. But this is what Isaiah 53, 12 says. It says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Well, this was fulfilled because Jesus died between two thieves. In Matthew 27, 38, Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And there are many other prophecies that I can't get to today, okay? So we're going to move on to some of the Psalms because I've got a lot of material and I want to make sure I get to that. But those scriptures are so vitally important to how we understand what Jesus went through. And now we're going to look at the Psalms and we're going to see how that correlates with the cross and the things that happened that day when Jesus died on the cross. So Psalm 22.1 says, My God... My God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want to stop there for a second because I want to talk about that just for a couple of minutes. Because a lot of people say that it was at this moment when um, Jesus took on the sins of the world uh, and, and that God couldn't look at Jesus. I've heard that taught a lot in my life. And I, I just want you to know that this is what we can know from this is that it was fulfilling of prophecy about the Messiah. And that's what we can always go back to. I know there's a lot of different things that people teach about the cross and about Jesus and, and God the Father and all those things. But I want you to look at this. This is fulfillment of that scripture. Because when it says that in Psalm 22.1, it's talking about this very moment in Matthew 27.46. It says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sabbathani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, everything that was happening on the cross that day was being fulfilled in these prophecies. And Jesus was watching this and saying the things at the exact time he needed to say them because he was God in the flesh. And that's what was playing out was all these prophecies being brought together and being fulfilled. Um, another prophecy says that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Also found in Psalm twenty-two, sixteen, For the dogs have compassed me. They, the assembly of the wicked had enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I want, you, want to stop there for just a second because I want to talk about this for a minute. When, whenever the Jewish people see Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives, if you look in Zechariah, I believe it's uh, chapter 12, it says that they will look on him who have they, whom they have pierced and their hearts will hurt for him like their hearts hurt for their child. They will understand that, that they have caused this and they'll say to Jesus, where did you receive the, these wounds in thy hands and thy feet? And 
Jesus is going to say, in the house of my friends, and they're going to realize at that moment, the people whose eyes have been shut because of disbelief all this time, they're going to look at him and they're going to say, you're Jesus. And he's going to say, I'm Jesus. And they're going to beg for forgiveness. And this is at that point, and we've talked about it before, where the, the Jews that are left there, that are fighting uh, at the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to receive that understanding and that forgiveness. They'll live into the millennial reign because this is after the rapture because it tells us that when Jesus comes and His feet touch the Mount of Olives, that His uh, army of saints come back with Him and they're there with Him. So this is after that uh, resurrection has happened, the rapture has happened, and these Jewish people recognize Jesus, they ask Him this question, they receive forgiveness, and they will live into the millennial reign. We get that question sometimes about why does that happen and who is that? Well, that's, that's some of that answer there. So, this was fulfilled as Jesus died by the crucifixion. We know this in John chapter 20, 27. Remember doubting Thomas. He said that I won't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead until I can stick my uh, finger in his hands and in his side. Well, Jesus wasn't even around when Thomas made that proclamation. And then Jesus comes and says unto Thomas, he says, Reach hither for thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust into my side, and be not faithless but believing. And you might remember what Thomas said after he did this. He said, my Lord and my God. He recognized right there who Jesus was completely. And you got to think about, you know, I, I'm, maybe I should say this. We, we look at these guys and we think, okay, they were with him for three and a half years. They saw all this stuff, but yet they didn't totally understand. Well, there's a lot of things about Jesus that we still don't understand. Uh, there's a lot of things about prophecy we still don't totally understand. And so I, I don't want to give them a bad light. Those guys were there and they understood these things. But they also um, had this human side of them that was watching their Messiah that they thought were about to deliver them die on the cross. And they didn't understand that completely. I mean, remember what happened with Peter. Peter went fishing after all this. After he had been to the tomb and saw that the tomb was empty... Peter went fishing. He went back to doing what he was doing before Jesus called him. Jesus said, hey, you're not going to be a fisherman anymore for fish. You're going to be a fisherman of men. and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so he put his nets down and started following Jesus. Well, the minute Jesus was gone, he didn't understand what was going on. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And everybody went with him. They all went fishing again. Like we're going back to our old life because Jesus is gone. We don't totally get this. So we're just going to go back to doing what we're doing. Well, that's just the human side of people, folks. And so that's why they didn't totally understand everything. That's why Jesus, when he spent that time with them between his resurrection and his ascension, that's why he stayed with them and he taught them even more things. That's why they needed the Holy Ghost to be poured out on them before they could go and begin to spread the gospel around the world. And so I don't mean to come today and, and kind of put a bad light on that because we're kind of in the same boat. Although we have opportunity to look at these things and see what they couldn't, and we look to the future for the things that we're understanding and the hope that we have of glory and what Jesus did for us on the cross. We'll get into this a little bit more when we come back from this break. So please stay with me and I'll see you in a few seconds. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, 
The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. Uh, I am flying solo again today. I wanted to also remind you that uh, I have a Bible study coming up. I promise you that when we do the Bible study, we'll have a great time because uh, that is kind of what I love. I don't really like being in front of the camera. I don't like having to uh, read and talk and do all the things that I do on the camera. I like seeing people face to face. I like being able to look you in the eye. I like being able to watch your face as you learn a new revelation that maybe you've never understood before. Uh, nothing can replace that. So standing in a studio talking to a camera is a whole lot different than me getting to stand in front of a crowd of people and being able to talk to you and, and see you face to face and build relationship. That's kind of where my heart is and that's what I really like to do. So I, I promise you, if you're watching this today and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I want to go to that guy's Bible study or not, I promise it'll be a lot different than it is when I'm on the air talking to you. So uh, anyway, I, I just want to remind you that is Thursday night, uh, April 6th. It's going to start at 6.30 and we're going to go till about 8 o'clock. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time, brand new videos that we're going to be showing you, brand new um, information on there. Uh, Dave did a wonderful job and you're really going to enjoy that. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. If you're in the Plano area, please come here. If you need information about that, you can find that on our End Time webpage under events. Uh, and if you need any other information, you can email me or you can call me directly here at the ministry. Okay, so moving on, we're going to jump back into this. We're looking at the Psalms and how many of these Psalms matched what was happening uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and how this was uh, foretold uh, thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene and died for our sins. And so the prophecy that the Messiah would be given vinegar to drink, that can be found in Psalm 69, verse 21. It says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, this was fulfilled on the cross when they actually did this. Remember, uh, you, you've probably seen uh, movies about it or, or heard stories about it where they took the sponge and dipped it into the vinegar and lifted it up on a pole for him to have. That's found in John 19, 29. It says, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. 
So, I mean, everything to the letter was fulfilled. Uh, prophecy that men would gamble for his clothing. Now think about that, because these are soldiers, and this in itself just kind of sounds like some of the things we see in the world nowadays that kind of make us sick at our stomach when we see videos of violence and things that happen to people, and we see behavior like this. this these guys are gambling for Jesus' clothes that he had on. Now you think about that, because one of the things that, I mean, this is something that I think probably uh, we don't think about, and maybe it's hard to think about sometimes, but you think about him being beat and the clothes being on him, and you think about when you are, are bleeding from open wounds and something gets on there and it's ripped off and it, and it hurts and the way that that hurts when they ripped his clothes off of him after they had beat him and scourged him you think about what those garments must have looked like but they were doing this because they wanted a souvenir of the king of the Jews they they wanted this as uh, you know a part of history that they were involved in this and so they're they're gambling for his clothing in Psalm 22:18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Well, that's fulfilled when the Roman soldiers gambled for that. In Mark 15, 24, it tells us in that gospel, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, whatever man should take. You think about when the two witnesses are going to be killed. We, we've recently we've released that video the two witnesses and we talked about that and how it's going to be like Christmas time for people that hate these two witnesses they hate these Christians that have been in the streets they've been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ for three and a half years and they've just been a pain in everybody's side and when they kill these two guys and their bodies are laying in the street these people are going to celebrate by sending gifts to one another like it's Christmas time or something so think about that because they did that with Jesus too. They were tearing his garments up. They were playing games, casting lots, gambling basically for his garments to see who would get that trophy. And it's kind of the same thing that's going to happen with those two witnesses. And another prophecy, none of his bones would be broken. In Psalms um, 34, 20, it says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And that was fulfilled uh, when Jesus' legs were not broken in John 19, 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. So you may not understand this, so let's talk about that for a second. One of the reasons why they would break people's legs when they were being crucified is because they would use their legs to actually push themselves up so they could get another breath of air. As you're, you're hanging on a, on a cross, one of the things that you die from is asphyxiation. It keeps you from being able to get a good breath when your arms are stretched out like that and you're hanging from your, from your arms. It keeps you from being able to take a deep breath. So these prisoners, these people that were being killed, they would push themselves up with their legs to get another breath when it would get hard to breathe. Well, whenever it was getting close to sunset and they knew they had to have this crucifixion over, they came and they broke the legs of the thieves beside Jesus. But when they got to Jesus, he was already dead. And so they didn't break his legs, fulfilling yet again prophecy that his, his bones would not be broken there. So uh, it also, there's a prophecy that he would resurrect from the dead found in Psalm. In Psalm 16:10, For thou wilt not let my soul, in, leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. 
The fulfillment of that is Jesus was risen from the dead in Luke 24, 4 through 6. And it came to pass, as there were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shiny garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why ye seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. So when they went looking for Jesus, remember that that's when that happened. They go in search of Jesus. They find out the tomb's empty. And that's when they were confronted by these angels who said, He's not here. Why are you looking for him among the dead? He has been risen. So another prophecy fulfilled. Uh, a prophecy that the Messiah would ascend into the sky. Now these may be prophecies that you never even realize that Jesus fulfilled, but they're there. Psalm 68, 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led... Uh, captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for man, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. The fulfillment of this was in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. That Remember, while they were talking to Jesus, he was giving them uh, the last bit of information. And really, he was talking about um, the great... Um, commission there as he's getting ready to ascend. That's what we were reading a while ago in Luke 24 where he opened their understanding. That's the same time when this happened. It says, And when he'd spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So this is the same way that the, um, the two witnesses are going to go up. If you read about the two witnesses when they're laying in the street for three and a half days, and then the voice from heaven says, Come up here. Their enemies sat there and watched them go up into the sky until they're hid in a cloud, just like Jesus. It's another reason why we understand that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, because our resurrection is going to look like Jesus' resurrection. Okay? So, I have a question for you. Was this a plan B, or was this God's plan from the beginning? You know, when He made man, did, did it shock Him? That Adam and Eve fell into sin? Did it shock him that now he had to come up with a plan to redeem men, to bring them back, uh, to justify them? Or did God already have this plan? That he would come down in bodily form, that he'd live a sinless life, he'd become our sacrificial, unblemished lamb, taking on our sins and dying on a cross, that he'd be buried and, and that he would rise again on the third day and ascend up into heaven and be glorified? You know what Scripture calls this? Scripture calls this the mystery of godliness. In 1 Timothy 3.16, it says this. It says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, and preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and received up into glory. The last book of the Bible says this about the Lamb. Let's look at that. Revelation 13. We go to this scripture a whole lot because we talk about the war uh, that the Antichrist is going to make against the saints and that all will worship the beast except all whose names are written in the book of life. So let's look at this scripture. Revelation 13, 8. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. And get this. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This didn't take God by surprise. This wasn't a plan B. Okay? Does that sound like a plan B in Revelation if it tells us that the lamb was slain from the foundation 
of the world. This was God's plan from the beginning. Okay, so we have that to understand. So look at the first book of the Bible because this is what it says. So we've got Revelation and now we're going back to Genesis. The prophecy that the Messiah would bruise Satan's head. Genesis 3.15 And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was fulfilled when Jesus destroyed the devil. Hebrews chapter 2.14 tells us this, For as much then as uh, the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, He, Jesus, also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. See, when Jesus did that, He did that at the cross. He destroyed Satan who... Jesus had no sin, but the Bible says that the princes of this world, they didn't understand who the Lord of glory was, and so they crucified Him, even though He was without sin, and they broke their own law, the law of sin and death, that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Jesus never sinned, but they prosecuted Him anyway. He wasn't guilty of anything, but they prosecuted Him anyway, and then He beat them at their own game on the cross. So here's a little side note. Scripture tells us, Jesus was crucified at Golgotha. They, it tells us this in Matthew 27, 33. It says, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull. Now this is a place where I, I really, uh, I can't back this up with, with Scripture because there's not a lot of Scripture that talks about this, but it's an interesting fact and I want to share it with you just because it's an interesting fact. Some say that Golgotha, the place of the skull, is actually the place where David buried Goliath's head after the battle and he hit him with the stone and then he went up and chopped his head off. They believe that it was called uh, the place of the skull because this is the burial place and that's why it just continued to be called the place of the skull. The skull. Uh, it was called Golgotha. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when you go there, when you go to Israel, and as a matter of fact, we're getting ready to go back to Israel here uh, next month, and that's approaching very quickly. I'm excited about that. But when we go, we actually get to go to Golgotha and to the burial tomb. I think we might have a picture. Let's see if we have that picture. Um, guys, there it is. Okay, so there's a picture of Golgotha. Now, the thing is, if you're looking at this picture, I know that if you're listening on the radio, you can't really see it, but it is a rock face, and in that rock, you, you can actually see what looks like some eyes and, and like a face possibly there. Now, what's happened in modern day times, uh, the Palestinian people that control that area have built a parking lot up there, so it doesn't even look the same as even this picture. Uh, but it's it actually you can tell that that's Galgotha when you're standing there looking at it when we come back from the break I don't want to miss this I want to continue this so we'll come back from the break I'll finish the little story about Galgotha before we move on and then I'll have to move quickly to get us through this but stay with me I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. 
Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with Endtime to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-ENDTIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, welcome back. Um, I want to jump right back into this because I, I want to be able to make sure that we cover everything that uh, I have today for us. But I was talking about Galgoth and how it looks different today, but here's one of the things. That where it's located is on the outer part of the city, which is where they said that David went and uh, with Goliath's head and where he uh, actually put Goliath's armor in his tent. It was outside the walls of Jerusalem because at that time Israel had not taken control of Jerusalem yet. And so it was outside those walls where this was and this is where Galgotha is. It's on the outside which would have been a place where the Roman government would have uh, crucified people because it was on a, a mountaintop where people could see it as they're coming into the town, as they're leaving the town. It was a very public death. They wanted everybody to see this is what happens to people who uh, go against the Roman government. And so it was, it was kind of one of those things where it was out in the open. They wanted the public to see it, kind of like some of the things that are happening even today. Um, but back to what I was talking about. Then the garden tomb, because remember, in the story of the crucifixion, they had to get Jesus uh, in the tomb before sunset because it started the high day. It was a high Sabbath that week. So it wasn't the regular Sabbath. There was a week where there was two Sabbaths, and you can do a study about that. Dave may do one. Here's a picture of the garden tomb. So if you're looking, or if you're listening, I mean, on the radio right now, the garden tomb is beautiful, and it is maybe 100 yards from Golgotha. So you can see where this is possibly the true historic place, the Golgotha and then the garden tomb. And that's a beautiful place there. You can see, uh, if you're looking at this picture, you see the tomb. Uh, you can see there is a track there that's just above those sets of stairs. That's where the, the giant stone would have been rolled in that crevice there where they would have rolled that tomb shut and they would have been able to seal that tomb like it says in the scriptures. So if you go to Israel with us, we'll be able to actually go there, see Galgoth, then go into the garden and go into the tomb itself and you can actually go in there and, and view that. So it's really, really cool. But back to the story about David and, and the skull. What's really cool about this, if this is true, that David really buried Goliath's head there, this shepherd boy defeated the seed of, of Satan there. He took his head and buried it there under Golgotha. And then Jesus was crucified there where the devil thought he had victory. It, it wasn't victory at all. That Jesus actually bruised the head of the devil by defeating death at Golgotha on the very place where um, that giant's head was buried. I think that's a pretty cool story. So anyway, uh, like I said, that's just a, that's a neat story. I don't know for sure that that is fact. 
it's something that I've tried to research and find for sure that that's fact. There's a lot of people that say it's fact, but I couldn't find any scripture in the Bible about it today, even though I looked and spent time on it. I couldn't find anything, but it is a cool story. So Jesus fulfilled every scripture about his first coming right up into his death, his burial, his resurrection. All right, in John 19, 28, it tells us this, that after this, Jesus knowing that all things were accomplished, that scripture might be fulfilled. That right there tells you Jesus was on the cross fulfilling scripture even when he was dying. When he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All the things that happened, Jesus knew that everything had to be fulfilled. And when he knew it was fulfilled, it says, and then he says, I thirst. And that's where they took the, the vessel of vinegar and they lifted it up to him on a sponge to give him a drink of it. And when Jesus therefore had received this vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. So we can understand the prophecies of the second coming will be the same like they were in the first. Where people, if you were looking for it, you could tell just by the things that were happening around you that Jesus was the Messiah and that it was, it was time for those prophecies to be fulfilled. If you understood those prophecies the way we understand prophecies today, you can begin to see what his second coming is going to look like and when it's going to happen. So we can understand by... Matthew 24, I mentioned it early in the show, and this is what Jesus told us to look for. So I want to kind of break that down here in this last segment. Sorry I'm not taking calls today. It's just harder for me to do that when Vin's in here with me, and uh, I, I really like to get in here and just try to teach sometimes, so it gives me that opportunity. So uh, please forgive me for that. But Matthew 24, 3 says, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us... When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Now you know that our program used to be called the end of the age because that word world there actually translates as age, and it's the end of man's age and uh, the beginning of God's rule. And so that's why they were asking when will be the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. So folks, I'm going to ask you this question. Are we beginning to see that happening today? Is there any people that you might be able to think of that say they come in the name of Jesus, but they're leading people astray? With all this stuff that's happening right now in our world, uh, we're hearing more and more about the homosexual community. We're hearing more and more about how uh, they need to be involved in the church and how these people, there, there are even people that are involved in the, uh, this uh, transsexualism that say they're made in the image of Christ, they, that God was both male and female and so are they. And I mean, it's blasphemy, the things that are coming out of their mouths and what they're saying. But they say that they go to church. They say that they're Christians. They say that they're involved in their church. Some people are even pastors of churches that are saying that. And so think about where we are right now. I know we, we talk about those things sometimes and they're uncomfortable to talk about. And it's not the politically correct thing to do, especially nowadays. And we're getting a lot of flack as Christians about speaking the truth. But here's the thing is the truth is the truth. And we've got to share that truth with people, even though we want to love people and help them to understand. So continuing in Matthew 24, this starts with verse 6 here. It says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. 
and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. So are we hearing the drumbeats of war on a daily basis lately? Are we hearing how China is building a military? I, I saw yesterday an article that really blew my mind that China is actually trying to build a super soldier that will be able to, re, uh, to withstand a nuclear attack. So these super soldiers that they're working on will be able to have nuclear radiation and it won't affect them. And I thought, man, this sounds like something from a science fiction movie, but it was in an article from World Net Daily. It's in a legit article talking about that kind of stuff. And we're watching more and more happen with, um, you know, what they're doing with their currency and how they're moving away from the U.S. dollar. And this, we know, has started wars in the past. And so we're watching things begin to happen where it looks like we could be going to war very shortly with Russia and China, India, some of these other countries that are trying to destroy the U.S. dollar. Money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And, and a lot of people in this country love money. Make sure you, you heard me correct myself there. The love of money is the root of all evil. And a lot of this that happens in war, it's it all tied into money and a monetary system. And they're also, they want to push this uh, central digital uh, currency on us too. And so it's a way for them to do that. Dave talked about it the other day. So there are so many different things that are happening that are just in this Matthew uh, chapter 29 or 24. I'm going to start with verse 9 now. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, folks, you may think, OK, well, that's not really happening, but it is happening. Uh, the Christian Post reported in 2020 that s there was a 60% rise of Christians worldwide that were killed in the year 2020. Another more recent article that I read today claims that on average, 15 Christians a day are killed worldwide just for their faith in Christ. And just remember a couple of days ago, this uh, shooting happened in this Christian school uh, and the media didn't blame the shooter. They blamed Christians. It's because of uh, the fact that we're Christian and we believe the Word of God that this gunman has been a victim her whole life. And she went into this school and began to kill children and teachers there that are Christian. So this is happening even in our own country. The persecution, the killing is already beginning to happen. Now look at what Matthew 24.10 says. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So think about that because we are there, folks. Sin is, is running abound right now. And people, you can tell there is hatred built up. There's hatred built up in this nation for all kinds of things right now. But they're, they're really trying to push this hatred on Christians right now. They're, they're taking this opportunity that they had. Remember, they never waste a good crisis. And they're turning this around. And now they're trying to make Christian people look like we're the bad guy and we're the ones that need to be eradicated. They're taking one person's um, 
theory, one person's word that he said, and they're running with it and saying that's what all Christians believe, that transgenders and homosexuals and people need to be eradicated. And that is not what I believe as a Christian. And I know that's not what 99.9% of Christians believe. We don't believe anybody needs to be eradicated. We believe people need to be saved. People need to know Jesus. Uh, people need to turn from their ways and repent and receive the Lord. That's what we need to do. So what are we supposed to be doing right now? Matthew 24, 13 tells us, But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Okay, so the Bible's very clear on what we do. We endure and we keep teaching the gospel. We keep teaching, we keep preaching, we keep helping people understand this. So how do we overcome the devil? Revelation 12 Verse 11 tells us this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So the blood of the Lamb, we have that when we are born again. Jesus' blood covers all of our sins. And so we, we have that. Then we have the word of our testimony. That's how we reach people. There's one thing that you can't argue with, and that's a person's testimony. And so when you tell people, this is what the Lord's done for me, and this is what God can do for you, it's real easy. It's, it's hard for people to understand sometimes, how do I go out and how do I teach people about Jesus? And what do I say? I don't know what to, I say. And what if I mess up? You know what? You're not going to mess up if you're sharing your testimony because your testimony is your story. That's your testimony between you and the Lord and what the Lord's done in your life. And if I sat here and told you all the different things that God did in my life and got me from point A to where I am now, you would be shocked. You would be amazed at what God's done for me. And I get to share that with people all the time because I have opportunity where I can talk to them and tell them. But would you believe that when I was 25 years old and first started listening, I guess I, maybe I was 28, uh, and I first started listening to this ministry. I was standing in my garage with my wife. And my wife, knowing how far I was from God at that time, I told her, I said, listen, I don't understand this. But I'm telling you right now, there's something about this ministry and there's something about this truth this man's telling me that I feel like one day I'm going to be involved in this ministry. And not only that, I believe one day I'm going to be in Israel with this man. When 2017, I was working for this ministry and I was in Israel with Brother Baxter. And God did that. That was a God thing. He put that in my heart way back then. They didn't even live in Texas back then. They were up in Indiana. I had no idea how I'd be part of this ministry, but I just knew God was telling me I was going to be part of this ministry, and yet here I am. So, folks, this is what we need to do. We need to be paying better attention to what's going on around us. We need to be living our lives for the Lord Jesus, and we need to make sure that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you need to, to know how you do that, we have a brochure called What Do You Mean Born Again? You can also go to intime.com slash reborn to get that brochure and you can read for yourself. If you need help understanding that more, give us a call, give us an email. We'll be happy to help you. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me today and we'll see you again on Thursday. Dave will be back tomorrow. Have a great day.